Hello ladies and gents, you're with Adrianosaurus, the coach of Adrianostoinus Rex in BBL Supercoach. Tonight's podcast, we're going to do some team previews. We're going to cover the Sydney Sixers, the Brisbane Heat and the Adelaide Strikers. Obviously, we all know they're relevant teams for the opening couple of rounds. The Heat and Sixers have the double game round in round one, and the Strikers have the double game round in two. But you've also got to navigate the Heat going on a bye in round two and the Adelaide Strikers going on a bye in round three. You know, um, I'm going to talk with a guest. Uh, it's going to be Brent Hampton from the BJ on Game Day podcast. A good bloke, Brent is. A good mate. Um, plays a bit of uh, NRL super coach, I think, like me, as our main sort of super coach. But he loves the cricket too. And, um, you know, he plays a super coach with, with me in my Adrianosaurus Cup. You know, he'll be hoping to knock me off in the head-to-heads this year and finish higher than me overall. But um, it'll be good to chat with him. We'll cover those teams and probably we'll look at it in a sense of, you know, who do we think the guns are, who do we think is a smoky, and who do we think are the duds, you know. Um, We'll look at uh, all three of those teams and we'll probably just have a little chat over what we think the correct numbers are. You know, like, I think that often... I believe going into double game rounds, if each, I'd rather five premiums than three premiums and four, you know, middies. And you know, if you know what I mean, so, um, you know, what are the realistic numbers for round one? You know, because I think there's only a couple of players really that you might want from the Heat, and you know, the Sixers are a fantastic team, but well, they're going to lose a bunch of them, or you know, can some of their best options, um, you know, to Australia A duty. <laughs> as well so um you know it's, it's going to be interesting to chat with brent nevertheless but i wanted to kick off the show um just with a little bit of strategy chat you know i actually posted a, a little while back you know just a cheapies 42 to 80k you know and i had a picture in there you know with a couple of the cheapies that fall into that category um and you know my comment was finding the right cheapies to start the uh with can make or break your season my advice Take the players with pedigree if possible and don't be lured into a trap just because they have the double round, uh, game round. Now, the people that I had attached to that you know, that post were Renshaw, Pearson, Daniel Hughes, you know, and, and Aaron Finch, you know. And I've had some varying responses, you know, over all the socials and I just wanted to cover, you know, those responses and give my two cents, I guess, you know, about those comments. Now, the first one was, you know, oh yeah, I've got all four of them. You know, I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, now, you know, that's the point, you know, of my, <laughs> on the post, I had a comment, you know, I don't think it'll be too hard this year to get the right ones, but it'll be interesting to see who gets the wrong ones. Now, just in a real simple sense, what does that mean? You know, Renshaw potentially is an okay buy, I think, because, you know, Ahmed's gone over to the strikers now, and, you know, um, I don't think that Renshaw's going to have a hell of a lot of bowling to do now. So that's one from him you know he is in super coach for super coach purposes an all-rounder which is handy but he, i don't think he's actually going to bowl much now and you know what if Renshaw bats at five now he no bowling now bats at five you know he's not an option for me you know he's a he's a he's a bad option then but he's one of the chances to be an opener or a first drop you know in those first couple of games with alex carey and travis head likely outs for higher honors so he's a watch you know i don't want to tick him as a yes he's a guarantee i don't mind if he's in your team currently because potentially he could be a good buy if he you know jags that opening spot 
Jimmy Pearson, you know, um, you know, he's not someone I'd be having in a draft team of mine right now because logic, you know, and all of this is speculation, really. Renshaw and his batting positions is speculation. We don't know. We will find out eventually. But, you know, Pearson, we think likely he's going to bat at seven, you know. So is he someone I think is a good cheapie? No, I don't, you know, and I can't see that that is going to change. You know, the likelihood that is that Renshaw might have a good, I think it's like 70-30 that he might bat opener or first drop at least, you know, early uh, in the early rounds. And Jimmy Pearson it looks like he's likely going to be batting at seven, you know, so I just, he... Renshaw's an iffy, and Pearson's a no. You know, Hughes, I think that he's going to bat three or four, isn't he? You know, 79k or something he is. Uh, He's coming off an absolute bloody bludger last year, but he's sort of an iffy as well. Um, You know, but like I said, you're going to wait and see where he's going to bat. You know, him and Renshaw, if Renshaw's opening and Hughes is batting at four or five, you know, I rank, uh, you know, Renshaw higher. It's just as simple as that. Oh, if you can get a 60K player, or 40K if you're real lucky, if you can get a 60K player who bats in the top three or bowls four overs, I think it really safely you can say that they're a good cheapie. They're good enough to at least take a punt on, if you know what I mean. So, you know, Hughes and Renshaw are watchers. You know, let's watch and see. But, you know, I think that Hughes is going to bat fairly high. That's just my guess on what we know so far, and I know that Renshaw is one of the players that is in the hunt for, you know, an opener or first drop, you know, sort of spot in his team. Finch is a good cheapie, you know. Um, He is the captain of the T20s in good form in that World Cup. He was off a stinker of a year last year, but he is going to open, and he's going to open the batting. He is in form. And he's got the pedigree. So he's a double tick. He's a tick. You, you, he is the strongest cheapie, you know. And so, yeah, having all four of those in your team, I think that Jimmy Pearson's definitely not someone I'd have in a draft. I'd happily have the other three in there, particularly because, you know, you've got um, Hughes on the double game round in round one, but he doesn't have a buy like Jimmy Pearson would in round two. Uh, and Renshaw, you know, if he jags an opening spot, though, those openers are gold. And if you can get one at 60K, it's like Finch, you know, 60K. Um, and, you know, he's had some recent good white ball form, you know, Renshaw. Um, so that's that's sort of my answer to that one. You know, don't just take all of them because they've got a double game round, you know. And would I probably, you know, you've got um, Hughes at 79K. Would I prefer him or Bartlett, you know? I know that the Heat, I haven't seen if they've actually signed him fully yet and there's not a 100% guarantee that he'll play in the first game but I always err to the side of um, bowlers personally because they just get that one wicket you know that someone who goes for a wrong shot and there's 25 points you know so I kind of lean towards bowlers um, so I'd probably prefer, prefer Bartlett you know over over a Hughes you know and what if Manetti or Pope get a run? They're in the seventy k's. You know those are spinner, you know spinners, and um, I probably lean towards them. You know ahead of Hughes. It's just sort of logic. You know if you just apply some basic logic, um, will the information will come along? You know closer to um, you know the big bash start. One of the other things that was commented was Finch is the only good cheapie. You know so all the rest of them are shit. You know and you know, they're going to be twenty sort of scorers. Um, you know, spend a bit of money and get better players on your bench. You know, go up towards those 80 to 100K players. Now, 
I partly agree with that. If there was no cheapies there, um, I don't think I don't advise that you have a whole bunch of NPRs on your team. The reason is is that you need to make money somewhere, and cheapies make money. Um, you know, you look at Manus last year, 60k he started at and got to 200k, had a fabulous role. You know, so you need cheapies in your team. And um, do I think there's cheapies this year? I think there is. I think there is. There's always going to be speculation. Uh, when you pick a cheapie, um, and they may not come off, you know, Finch could just go and suck hard again like he did last year, but, you know, it's an educated guess, and that's what a lot of super coach is, you know, if Renshaw opens, he's worth a punt, it's only 60k, and, you know, at that, you know, the 60k players and their BE, he's going to shoot up, especially with double games, um, in, in price, you know, your cheapies make your money, you know, I've played super coach before where I've gone middies, I played the midi madness game where I've probably cut down on a couple of the premium players I have because oh, you've got to get the money somewhere. Um, and I've just, you know, if there's no good cheapies, I've tried to stack my bench with midis, mid prices. Now, they generally burn slower because they've got a higher BE. Um, and sometimes they don't even score as you know, much better if at all than the cheaper ones. You know, you've got to look for the cheaper ones who have got one. You know, they had an abnormally bad year last year and you'd expect them to bounce back or they've got an improved role, you know, whatever, or they're coming in as for the first time. You know, there's reasons why they might be cheapies, but the midi madness means, one, you are not going to have some of the prime big money earners, which are your cheapies. Um, and, you know, obviously, in order to pay for these 100K players who are going to be your slow burns that may not score, you know, much more than the cheap players, um, but you're going to be short of guns, you know, because you've taken down some of your guns, you know, your Currens or your Sams or your, you know, or Majib and your, all of them, you know, Rashid. You're going to have to take money off them to p get your 60Kers up to 100K. Now, those players are not going to make you much money either because they're already at max cost. You know, they might make a little bit of money, but the likelihood is that they will most likely lose money. Um, but you have them in there because they'll, they'll bank your points, you know. So where are you going to make your money in your mid-madness, midi-madness, you know. So midi-madness, if there were actually no options, I think, but there are going to be some options and definitely options worth taking a punt on. Um, and yeah, one of the other comments was like, well, I'm just going to stack my bench with NPRs. Well, again, same thing, you know, you're not going to have players there making your money, which you need. Um, I don't mind having maybe one NPR or two at most um, because you can then have them on the bench to loop. You know, if your reserved player on the bench scores big, you know, you bring in one of these NPRs um, to um, loop. So I can, I can see a world where you have two, but you need your players making money for you. You need these cheapies to be making you money, you know, and the risk is a small cost with your cheapies and you don't have to actually pick them in your team necessarily. You have them on your bench with a reserve on them, you know, and you just play the loop game if they come off, you know. So I just don't see the risk, you know, the the, the outlay cost is not, you know, not, not a risky thing, you know, and yeah, what's the guarantee they're going to score more than these 100k players? You'd expect that a 60k finch, you know, is going to score well, you know, he's more like a 150k player, we know that from his pedigree, you know, and someone like Joel Paris, who didn't bowl overs, is going to come in and bowl four overs a game for 60k, four overs a game for 60k, you know, educated guess-wise, that's, he's going to be a good cheapie, 
Yep. So there's my answers to those. You know, I personally believe in a guns and cheapies approach. And I think that we're going to have cheapies in Big Bash. Look, there's, you know, news to come. You know, we've got news to come for players. You know, you hear the Renshaw bats at five. He doesn't get that opening spot. And they give it to Harry Nielsen. Well, that makes Harry Nielsen an option. You know, but it puts a line through Renshaw for me. You know, if Pearson bats where we think he is at number seven, there's a line through Pearson, you know. So close to the Big Bash, we're going to get um, information. There could be more signings, whatever, that could affect some of our cheapies or we could get a new cheapie. Who knows? But more news will come to light closer to the Big Bash. But I think there's going to be cheapies. I think there's already some there that, in a logical sense, look like good cheapies. So I'll just finish off with a ranking, you know, of my cheapies some good ones you know in order i think that finch is the best cheapie you know he's got the pedigree he's in form in that world cup he's going to open the batting you know that he is a slam dunk that you know he can't possibly go as shit as he did last year and you can see the form that he's showing now i think he's turned the corner on his form so he's he's a no-brainer he's a he's a great cheapie and i think he's number one i think paris has got to be number two um, if you can get a 60k bowler bowling four overs a game, uh, hopefully he stays injury free. Um, but he's definitely got to be a number two. Now on the list, I think there's one for your batting. There's one for your bowling. You know, winning, happy times. Um, you got a good cheapy, you know, prime cheapies in Finch and Paris for your bat and bowl. Um, that can, Jay can, you know, he's two pronged. You can't go wrong. You know, he's either a non-playing reserve that you can use as your NPR for looping purposes because he's an all-rounder. You can flick him between bowl and bat, which is perfect. Um, but if he plays, how many options have we got this year that are one all-rounders and two that are 42K players that are going to actually play? You know, so if he plays, he's going to be making you money, you know, and if he's an NPR, he's the perfect NPR being a 42Ker who's an all-rounder, which is the only one we have in the game. So he's number three for me. I think he's those top two, you know, are, are players who are going to make your money and hopefully score you well. And Jay Can will either score you well, who will be a perfect NPR. Uh, look, I've tentatively got Renshaw in there. You know, he's not going to bowl, I don't think, now with Ahmed, you know, there um, or, or much, you know, you'd think. But, you know, if he does take that opener spot, uh, or if he goes and bats at first drop, you know, top three batting and their 60K is a tick for me. Anyone who, if Hughes is a top three and he's 60, in his 60s, or I think he's in 70Ks, he's a tick for me. If Harry Nielsen opens the batting and he's 60K, he's a tick for me, you know, and he's a backup keeper, which is perfect, you know. So when we get the news, adjust accordingly. There's some logical, Finch and, and Paris, you know, they look like they're pretty much locked in, you know, can... You know, whichever way it lies is going to be fine. You know, Renshaw, um, Hughes, Nielsen. You know, though, uh, Hughes and Nielsen I've given a tie for my fifth spot. You know, I think that double game rounds early for both of those players. And, you know, if Hughes bats high in the top three, maybe even four, you know, he's definitely an option. Uh, and, you know, Nielsen, if he jags that opening spot, obviously Carey we think is going to be off on higher honors. So he'll have the gloves as well. Um, and, you know, if he, it's him or Renshaw, or, you know, maybe they both bat high enough to be, um, you know, good options, you know, for your team. Um, other players that are of a low cost that I think, uh, we'll wait and see, but they could be good options. Um, Baxter Holt, 
you know, and Matthew Jilks. Um, there's some light, there's some spots in that lineup, especially if Kawaja goes off to the test team. And if one of those guys come in, um, in the top, you know, five, maybe, you know, that could be an option, you know, not as good, you know, percentage wise as, uh, Harry Nielsen, who, if he, if he opens, but you'll just adjust accordingly, won't you? But potentially one of them could get a spot and at 62 K, you know, that's a bargain. Um, moving up in the Marcus Harris, you think he's going to open, wouldn't you? So he's an opener who costs 62k. His game doesn't excite me too much. Um, do you want Finch and, and Harris? I don't know. Um, is is Marcus Harris going to open? But you know, if he does, he's 62k. Um, Joel Paris, we mentioned him. Four overs, playing for the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, 62k. He's lock him in. Lock him into teams. Um, what else do we go up to? Renshaw, which is a wait and see what he's going to bat. Um, Ollie Davies, you know, he was dynamic last year at times. He's definitely going to be an option for teams at 74K if he secures a spot. If he comes in at number three, yeah, get him in. He's, I think he's a really good option if he comes in at number three. Um, look, you know, in that uh, opening round, uh, uh, the six is going to go with the spinner. Could be Pope or it could be Manetti, you know, that might jag that you know, last spot in the team. Um, and if either of them are in there, they're a spinner, you know, and I think that that could be a good option. Um, I would almost prefer to go to them than someone like Daniel Hughes because I always err on the side of bowler, you know, if there's someone to go with. All they need is just someone to go and take a wrong shot or to bowl one good ball, and there's 25 points, you know. So just a lot more bankable and safe to go a bowler, um, you know. So if one of them gets a spot, Definitely, they're an option, I think. Double game round in first game. Um, yeah, you. where do you go from there? There's Daniel Hughes, you know. Um, no one else really interests me. Ashton Agar, we know, is one of the better options in the year with bat and bowl uh, capabilities. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's, you know, heaps after that. Bartlett, if he gets the run, is a, is a good option. I think if he comes in for that round one double... Um, you'd think he'd bowl four, and I think, you know, like I said, Hughes versus Bartlett, probably Bartlett wins being a bowler. Um, you know, we've got um, old mate Max Bryan. You know, he hasn't signed, I don't think, with the heat, but if he opens, he's certainly got the strike rate. You know, he's a bit hit and miss. He's rocks or diamonds, that that guy. But, you know, I'd prefer him to a, someone like a Hughes just because you might get the strike rate bonus. Uh, and he's got the double game round. You know, Hughes doesn't have the buy in round two, but, you know, we'll expect. I'm, I mean, logically, you'd think that the, the Heat are going to announce his signing, and it'd be him, you know, or Heaslet, maybe, that open. Um, and I don't think you're going to put Bryant down at five, whereas you could put Heaslet down there, which puts a line through Heaslet, by the way. But if Bryant opens, he could be an op- option. You know, you could just take a punt on him as you know, a higher run rate scorer, you know, for round one. So there's definitely going to be some cheapies this year, you know. Um, the news will come along, you know, as the season gets closer, you know, and once you do that, once you get that info, you know, you can adjust your team accordingly. But I think it's not going to be too hard to do at all the guns and cheapies strategy. Your guns will score your points, your cheapies will make your money so that you can make them into guns. It's a real simple game, isn't it? <laughs> oh, if only. Hey, but next we'll have Brent Hampton on. We'll do the team previews of the Heat, the Sixers, and the Strikers. All right. <laughs> 
and we are back right now with the wonderful, fantastic B in BJ on game day, Brent Hampton. How are you, buddy? Good, Alice. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to talking a bit of uh, fantasy BBL with you, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, it seems like such a long time, um, you know, since uh, NRL Supercoach. I think, is that that's your main uh, Supercoach you play, isn't it, just like me? Yeah, it is. Um, tragically, at times, as it was last season, but yeah, that's my um, bread and butter, I'd say. Yeah. Um, anything else, like the BBL, um, also a bit of different kind of stuff this season with the American sport, is all just more of a bit of fun for me, really. Oh, good, good. Well, yeah, NRL Supercoach is still fun, but it's enough to coach, but it's, you know, a bit more myself out of that than would out of any day so I really got no idea what's going on in other sports. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't really watch, I mean, I watch a little bit of NBA occasionally, but, you know, the missus, I don't think she'd, she'd absolutely leave me if I played any more than BBL and, and NRL because, you know, <laughs> just, uh, she, she enjoys the off-season because we get to go out for dinners and stuff and I'm not sitting there at my phone all the time, you know, looking at <laughs> yeah. live scores and such, so... Fantasy grind, mate. I understand. I understand. I think the beauty of one thing I'm taking to a little bit, I must admit, is um, the NFL. I've never really sat down and tried to watch it. I know it can be a bit of a slog for games, take a while, and that sort of thing. But um, this season, I've tried to get into it a bit more, and I don't mind it, actually. If you do have the time to be able to sit down and watch it, mm. um, yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's very much still have no idea what's going on, but I'm not minding that. But I know what you mean, this is a shoot me as well. Um, I, I was doing any other form of fantasy as much as I get into the NRL, so that's a bit more casual yeah, well, I mean, you, you and I, we're, you know, you're in the the Adrianosaurus Cup, so we should go head to head in a, in that league. I mean, how'd you go last year in the BBL, finish wise? Yeah, it's funny, right? Because I say I don't really like. Cricket's one of those sports, growing up, I never played at ADOS, so I didn't really, like, I never got into it, I was always, you know, watching the others play and that sort of thing, but I probably never, you know, got in, because I didn't play it as a kid, and I guess that sweet science behind it, and, and the strategy behind the game of cricket, I guess, you could say, I never, I never really, you know, never understood that, or I don't know anything about that side of the game, so, when I watch the VBL, I'm literally just, you know, watching it because I enjoy watching sport, and then just trying to pick it up. You know, things that I pick out that might be helpful for fantasy. But um, that worked out last season for me. I, I think I finished in the top 100. I can't remember where exactly, but it was like I just finished up in the 100. I scraped in. Yeah. We had a pretty poor final round. And, and we were around each other, but you had a stellar last round. I think you, you dipped right down in there. But I think I just scraped in the top 100, which I'll take it. Got some socks and a carry and a voucher and a few other bits and pieces, which is pretty cool, mate. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we both had pretty tidy old years and so did old Kando there. So, you know, I think BBL is, it's it's a different kind of game, obviously, because, you know, you can loop benches and, you know, you get weather that comes into play and, you know, you get rounds that sort of, you know, they end in the middle of the week. And so I think it really takes, you know, a bit of dedication, I think, to succeed at the old BBL Supercatch. Uh, it's a good point. I think it's one of those games you do have to be a little bit more prepared in the sense of understanding, like you said, um, you know, double game weeks coming up and who can you loop and have a free look at and, and yeah, what weather is around. So there's, there's definitely a bit more of a strategy in that sense. So, um, and it also makes a big difference because, you know, you and I know pretty well last year when, when that rain hits and the game gets washed out, 
you don't want to have you know a guy that is captain and playing in that game or something like that. Cause yeah, many a you know I think you you often see players go and load up with one one particular you know team with players in a double game round and you know if you get it rained out um, you know can really muck up your season you know so I think you know you got to play the balancing act and you know even this this round one you know you know that you've got the Brisbane Heat going into a buy in round two you know which I think probably limits how many Heat players you probably want to carry in you know but um yeah all interesting stuff and it's an interesting game for people you know to navigate and we'll do some team previews I think we'll um I think if we just look at it in a really quick sort of sense. We'll look at how many, because we're going to cover the Heat and the Sixers and the Adelaide Strikers. We'll talk Heat and Sixers first. And how many are you looking to go, you know, for that round one in the double game round, you know, for double game round players? Yeah, it's funny you mention that. And believe it or not, whilst I'm joining you here this evening, I haven't really looked in too much detail at the draw. I think I'm aware it's Heat and the Sixers have that double BWG, as you just mentioned, in round one. But I, I also haven't really looked too far past that over. So when you say when the Heat had the buying round two, yeah. um, I wasn't actually aware of that right now. Um, <laughs> looking at the makeup of my team at the moment, um, I need to definitely get a few more sixes in, in there because as it currently stands, I think really, I've just got the one at the moment. So mm. they'll have to change it. And I obviously picked this team a couple of weeks ago as once it sort of opened. So. I haven't looked at it in too much detail further than that, but I will need to. Um, well, hopefully you'll learn a, bit, I, learn a bit off me on the show because I'm a bit more up well, to date. it's a good reason for me to tune in and uh, find <laughs> out what's happening, that's for sure, mate. So, good, good. Um, but no, I, I would think from, from teams like the Sixers and the Heat, um, you know, I always struggle to probably look past someone like Chris Lynn, even though he can let you down at times. He's just so, so dangerous with the bat. Um, yeah. Always the guy, like, it's... it's it's so hard to not have him because he is just capable of going so big. Um, yeah, you got those yeah, players who you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't sometimes. He's one of those. And, and, you know, almost if he's not in the double game round and you've got him in your team, you have him on your bench just to see if he comes off or not. You know, but we'll we'll look at probably the heat first and I think we'll just we'll go guns, smokies and duds. Now, yep. looking at the heat... Um, I think that you could probably put Lin in that gun category just simply because of what he's capable of. And I think he's almost a, a must-have, you know, for that round one because with that strike rate, he can come and hit it at a 250 strike rate and he can he can turn up in, in a score of like 40, you know, he can go at 250, 300. So I, I think that maybe this year him not being the captain might actually free him up to just relax a little bit more out there and i don't know i think he might still be rocks and diamonds but he's definitely a gun he had an average you know mid 60s last year i think oh what was it he was one of their gun you know players last year and i don't think it's going to be any different this year i think you go into that double game round with him and, and he's definitely one of their few um guns what do you reckon Totally agree. He's sort of awkward, though, I reckon, as well. He's 172k, so yep. he's not, like, uber expensive, but he's also not cheap enough that it's, like, a throwaway. There is still, like, an element of, you know, he's 170k, but I think given the fact that he has that double game week in round one, um, I know that they didn't have to play in round two, but um, I think he's too much of a, a variable, a guy that can blow up to not have him to start. It would be a big... 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. so last year he's, um, a, he's averaged 55.2 last year. So, you know, you'll get 100 points out of him based on last year's average, you know, in your, in your double game round. Um, you know, but yeah, 172 is sort of an awkward price. Um, you know, but I, I think he's, you know, he, he was there, you know, the, he was the fourth um, top run scorer last year. So, you know, we could probably expect maybe that he, he improves a little bit this year. And I think he's one of their, well, I've got them down as two guns. I think their other gun is Mujib Uramen, who's playing in the World Cup at the moment, the spinner from Afghanistan. And unfortunately, he seems to have picked up a bit of a back injury and he hasn't played um, for the last two games, which is a bit of a worry, you know, going into the big bash um, comp because, you know, he is one of their two guns. And I think the two players that I'm currently got in my team from the Brisbane Heat, only two I've got, um, and he's over 200K, but, you know, he is an absolute weapon. And last year he played, I don't know, like eight, seven games, but he, he turned up on multiple occasions. Yeah, well, I think he... That's the other thing, I guess, worth mentioning, Leo, that another pretty big variable in the BBL is obviously the international side of things. So there's yep. guys like, you know, this bloke was one of them. Uh, I think it happened with um, Rashid Khan last thing as well, where they they go off and play for their country in BBL games as a result. So I think he had that happen last season. He only played about half the season. Yep. Um, but he did have some big scores in there, as you said, on his had a few tons. Yeah, I think, Early, so. I think he's going to be around for more of the tournament this year, as is um, Rashid. I think they don't have the clashing. I think the biggest worry with him is the, is the injury. Um, and look, I, I think that because the Sixers play the first game in the double game round, round one, you can VC like a Curran. And I think that Majib is your perfect option for a captain. You know, he's he can go big. And, you know, I always think about players that I'm scared of not owning in my team on a on a double game round. Or, you know, and, and they're their two premiums and they both scare me if I didn't have them in my team. No, I like it. I'll, I'll probably just have a look at him as well. Yeah, um, I mean... Yeah, he can definitely go the big ones. You know, last year his average was 66, you know, and 66.6 average, you know, and, and it was not a small, tiny sample size. It just, he, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. He has a great economy, you know, and he's, that, he's got those mystery balls as well. So I think he's a, I mean, if I had to choose between him and Lynn, I'd take him, you know, but I think they're both their guns. Um, they've got a couple of Smokies as well. I, I think um, last year there was three players that sort of stood out to me as Smokies. That was Mitchell Swepson when he played, um, averaged just a tick under 55 last year. But, you know, there's a reasonable expectation that he'll be playing for Australia, A eh? Because that is one of the games that clashes with the round one. Um, and I don't think he'll be available. But they do have another double game round in round six. So, you know, Mitch might be an option for you for then. But... Probably not for round one, but that's not a hundred percent. But an average of fifty-five last year, he's probably a smoky, I think, for teams. Yeah, and I think he produced at times as well with the ball uh, last season as well. I think he maybe got him yeah, a couple of times as well, but yeah. definitely, um, I don't mind him. Mate, I don't know if we mentioned him. Not sure yet, and you'll be able to help me out this one. Marnus, obviously, yeah, you know, the most expensive player and was. Absolutely enormous. Yeah, a weapon. He was a weapon. Last season. Um, ended up being quite handy with the ball. You know, he 
taken some wickets anyway, and, and was quite good with the bat. Is he? Um, he'll be. Like he might miss any time for anything. Yeah, he he won't be there. Yeah, he won't be there. He he'll be there for the Ashes, and I I wouldn't expect him. You know, at all. You know, maybe at the end of the tournament, but he's definitely not going to be there in a hurry. You know, and the, he's already in a lot of teams, but people obviously don't realise that he's not going to be there. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it'd be perfect. Yeah, it'd be perfect if you could have Manus, but um, he's not going to be there. Um, look, he, I think the other Smokies, and also there's probably a bit of conjecture over them, is Jack Wildermuth, who recently um, signed, you know, signed on again, re signed with with the Brisbane Heat. 155Ks, he's an all-rounder, um, and his average was, you know, just sort of similar to Steckity's, who's the other Smokey for me last year, just a tick under 50. Um, but him and Steckity, um, who are Smokies, I think are uh, very good chances for the Australia A team as well. So, you know, in that um, opening round, I think you put a line through Marnus. Um, Mitchell Swepson could be in danger of not being available. Um, I think you could lose... Wildermuth, and I think you could lose Steckity, you know, so it really limits the guns, you know, or the potential, you know, start your team with players from the heat, you know, unfortunately, because I think they're all a good chance for Australia A. Yeah, it makes it difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, and... and especially with a few weeks out, I guess, closer the time. Yep. Probably know a bit more, but, yeah. Yeah, that's right, and I mean, um, look, you know, they might not go with Swepson in the Australia A, and then he becomes... You know, a, a pretty good smoky, I think, for your round one teams. But you'd have to wait, you know, to, to see if they get selected. Couple quick ones, mate. Just looking at the list now. A couple of names I'm not familiar with. Ben Duckett, Tom Abel. Know anything about these boys? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yep. Yep. So you, you got some poms in there. Um, Tom Abel is going to probably... I think he's already been selected to go on a tour with the the English seconds. So he's not going to be available, unfortunately. Um, but Duckett is a wicketkeeper batsman, so he probably won't keep because obviously you got Jimmy Pearson in there, but he will open the batting. So uh, at his price there, I think, you know, he's he's very loosely a smoky because, um, one, he's going to open the batting and, and in BBL Supercoach, batting, opening batters are just gold. Um, but look, you know, a lot of English players that come out to the BBL take a little while, especially if they've never been to the BBL, um, you know, to get the hang of it. Um, you know, you you know that Hales had a bit of trouble when he first started coming, but he sort of found his groove after a couple of BBLs. But yeah, look, he he you know has some pretty impressive. He's he's had fifty three career matches, um, and I think his strike rate's near one hundred and fifty. You know, so he's a bit of a dinger. He's a goer. Um, so he'd be a really loosely smoky player, and I think he is available for round one. Um, but he would be speculative, I think, and you, it's a hard thing, right? It's, you're just taking a massive lash on someone. Yeah, it would know, be. You'd be taking a. You'd be taking a lash, definitely, if you went with him. But look, if you were taking a lash on someone, I think you know you take the openers because they're going to bat every game and they're going to have the most yeah. balls to face. You know. Yeah, and you know, I was only take a couple of catches out on the field or whatever, chuck their score up ten twenty points. Um, yeah, nice sometimes. Yeah. Um, the only other one that I thought was doing pretty well for himself, which I can't stand this, is um, the young Brian. Yeah, well, Max Bryan, um, he has not officially signed with the Heat yet, but we, you know, we do expect that he probably will sign with the Heat. Um, and 
in that event, he would open the batting. So he's going to open the batting with um, Tom Abel. You know, sorry, um, you know, with um, Duckett. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, look, he's... Sorry? Lynn come in at three or? Yeah, Lynn come in at three. Um, and you'll have you'll have Max Bryant open. Now, I've ridden the Max Bryant roller coaster, you know, nearly every year just because he you know, he goes at a really good clip when he's out there usually, but unfortunately it's never sort of translated into big, big scores, has it? But, you know, um if he's opening, um, him and Duckett, there is a you know, there is a circumstance where they could both go, you know, Duckett career strike rate of 150 and we know that Bryant can go huge huge so you know they are probably definitely loose smokies you know but you I think there'll be if Bryant's signs which we expect a lot of teams will, will bring Bryant in it'll just be interesting to see what his price is because we don't even have that yet but you guarantee that if he comes in he'll bat um he'll open but if we were putting it in a question I would prefer to take Bryant who's played in, you know, in the BBL, you know, a number of years ahead of Duckett, you know. So if I was choosing between the two, I would pick um, Bryant. Uh, other players who I think are probably traps or duds uh, in the Heat lineup, I see I see Jimmy Pearson in a lot of teams. Um, look, he Pearson probably over, you know, he, he ex- exceeded expectations last year, but I think that's mainly because he got a lot more batting in than, you know, you'd think at batting at number seven because they lost heaps of wickets early. You know, they collapsed a few times and he's cheap as, but look, are you going to really want someone who um, bats at number seven, you know, in your team? Not for 90K. No. So I think there are better options, you know, than, than Jimmy Pearson. He's in some nearly 30% of teams, I think, but... Um, I think closer to the date and, you know, when you first, when you see that lineup, unless he got a promotion in the order and was batting higher, um, but, you know, you've, if you get Brian and you get, um, you know, the the Englishman opening and then you've got Lynn coming in at three, you know, it's going to be earliest at four, even if he does go up the order, but I wouldn't expect he does go up the order, you know, so nah, uh, uh, he's a no-go for me. I think he's a dud buy for teams. Um and what else have we got? You know, I, I don't think there's too many other players of great interest in there. Um, let me just go through some of them. Um, yep, so Tom Abel, he's already been selected, you know, to go out for England. Sam Heaslett, he's probably going to bat as low as five or six, you know. Um, I, I don't mind him as a player, when, but he when he's opening, he seemed to do a pretty good job late in last year's tournament, but... I don't think he's going to be an option for teams because he's going to bat too low. Um, we already spoke about Jimmy Pearson. Michael Nisa, he's going to probably be back up for the Ashes, you know. So he's not going to be available for round one. Um, you know, it's you've got an Australia A and you've got the Ashes that are interfering with these teams in round one. So, you know, you, there's going to be a bit of, you know, missing players. Steckity's going to be likely out. Swepson's a good chance of being out. Um, one name that we haven't mentioned is Xavier Bartlett. He's the young fellow that kept coming on for one over and then getting the super sub, you know, last year. Um, but he was pretty handy. You know, he got, he's got he got a bit of, uh, yeah, the the X factor last year got him. But he's 97,000. Um, you know, he averaged over 30. Um, and, you know, you consider that he only got one over, you know, in a lot of those games. It, he hasn't actually signed yet, but I think he's a, a loose smoky as well for teams. You know, I... 
like to, when I'm going cheap players under 100k, I always err on the side of bowlers. So I think he's an option, you know, for teams. If he signs on and, you know, um, you think he'd bowl four overs, particularly with all the outs that they've got. So I think he's a smoky, a loose smoky for teams. I actually really like Bartlett. I remember he opened the bowling generally as well. Yeah. He yep. over. He generally swung the ball a fair bit, you know, with the movement there. I thought he bowled quite well. Um, and yeah, he was he was a victim, as you said, of that super sub or whatever that rule was last season. But yeah, hoping, I think he's still pretty young, isn't he, over? So maybe as he starts to, you know, um, get a bit older, he can sort of try and submit himself into that team. And he'll probably keep on improving. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the thing is, at the moment, it's a bit unsure about his position in the team. And, um, you know, for me in that team, that'd be probably um, the three that I, when I'm looking at the Heat teams that I would be interested in starting my year with is uh, the two guns in in Majib and Lynn um, and maybe a Bryant or, or Bartlett. You know, as in a flyer, if I if I'm looking to fill a third spot, but at the moment I'm only on two, and I think that that's the heat lineup. All right, well we'll move on to the sixes. I'm just going to pause for a second because I need to go to the loo. We're back. We're we're back, and we're talking Sydney Sixers now. Sydney Sixers are an absolutely bloody outstanding team, aren't they? I mean, they're back to back winners, um, and you know they've they've got a strong lineup again for this year. You know, I think. Uh, in that opening round, there's some great options, you know, for them. Um, but they won't be without, um, you know, some players that are going to be off on higher duties as well. But we'll go through um, the Sixers lineup and the guns. Uh, and you can't really go past Tom Curran. You know, we're just off air chatting about him. He was missing from last year's tournament. He's going to be there this year. He costs a, a pretty penny, 201000 Um but, you know, I think he is one of the primo, primo options in BBL Supercoach. Um, you know, he's an excellent bowler. He bowls in the right times. Uh, and, you know, he's pretty handy with that bat as well, isn't he? So he's going to be a good VC and C option, you know, if you wanted a straight C. But I think he's going to be in must-have, you know, for round one. Yeah, I could agree more. Right? He has that, obviously, COVID impact. He didn't want to be away from the storm. That's what it was last season, so he- Decided to head back home and, and give the baby a miss, but he was a beast a couple of seasons ago. He, he produced, you know, a number of big scores over the 100, 100 mark as well. And, and you know, it would, wouldn't be hard for him to score 67 points, which is still, you know, very solid. So, yeah, definitely if, if Sixers have that double game week as well, Adolf, um, you know, again, another guy that would be very, very hard to leave out of your side, even at 200k. Yep, 100%. Um, look, you know, you've got, um, ooh, you know, I th- look, looking at averages, you know, guns wise, they've got a lot that are sort of very borderline gun. They've got a lot of players that average in the fifties, you know, um, a lot of people love Sean Abbott, you know, he's going to be off probably playing that Australia A game, you know, average 55 last year, Mo- Moises Enriques, average of 55 from last year, which was, which was great. He's going to be off on, you know, uh, Australia A duties. Um, so I think that you probably have some borderline guns um, in Dwarshus and Filippi, you know, Ryan Filippi. Um, 
you know, they're both average in the 50s. You know, Dorcious averaged 58.2 last year. He's a real solid bowler. He's a left armor. Um, and I've currently got him in my team. So I think he's probably a smoky slash, you know, borderline gun. You know, and Philippe, you know, Ryan, Josh Philippe opening the batting um, is, a, is a great option as well. Yeah, agree. I, I actually reckon Felipe's a superstar at 110, 7K with a double game. I'll, I'll definitely have him on my side. Um, and I'll know a bit more about that, Adolf. So, um, yeah, I think the interesting thing with them is you look at their lineup and they've got, you know, a number of good players in there. You look at, um, you know, like you said, from the top with Tom Curran, Christian Dorches, Felipe, Enriquez, Abbott, um, Vince O'Keefe. Braithwaite, um, you know, Nathan Lyons in that list. They've just got so many guys in that side, so I guess it will be quite interesting to see what happens with the, the Ashes series. Obviously, with a couple of those guys will be in that side, but... Um, yeah, well, James you know, James Vince is James Vince is a name you mentioned last year, and you know he's at that one fifty three thousand, but he was absolutely bloody sensational at the you know in the last couple of rounds of last year. Now, I don't I, I don't know I don't think he's going to be interrupted. You know, um, you know for for big for, you know for round one, if he is available for round one, I think he's a a really good smoky. You know, for teams, uh, he's not not really cheap but i think yeah he he is um a, you know especially based on last year's late form he's a great option a very popular players are dan christian and carlos brathwaite um look i think that brathwaite's a trap i think that you know his batting seems to have gone to dog shit you know and he's bowling you know if you look at their bowling lineup i think that dan christian and carlos brathwaite they eat into each other's overs you know so I'm probably saying, you know, maybe Dan Christian could be a smoky because he's going to bat higher than, um, you know, Brathwaite. And there's a chance that Brathwaite doesn't even make the team or he bats behind Curran, you know, who's showing better form with the bat. So I would say that, you know, Brathwaite's a trap and I would tread cautiously with Dan Christian as well. You know, I just think he's going to bat maybe a little low and may not bowl, bowl all of his four overs. Um yeah, but I think you've got borderline gun in Vince and maybe, you know, oh, very loose smoky on, on Dan Christian. But I'll, I'm not going to have Christian or Braithwaite in for my team, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's going to be awkward um, picking up a couple of them. I think Christian's hard at the price, but a few of those guys are going to lay on the test team and whatever else. He might, might be all right for that first week and sort of reassess from there, but... Um, yeah, I, I agree. Bracewaite, I don't think even as good with the ball as, as Christian, at least in terms of producing supercoach points, and definitely not with that. So, you know, 170 k would be better value for money around. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got other players in there. Um, Dan Hughes, he's going to be bought by a few people because he looks like he might bat at first drop. You know for 78k but he had an absolute wretched season last year averaging 25 um you know he at the price on the double game round um you know you're going to have your bryants you know you're going to have your um hughes uh, probably to choose from i guess if you're going in with a cheap player or or you go a bartlett or there's a very light chance that you you know lloyd pope or ben manetti you know could get a run who are in the 70ks but they're very speculative 
uh, all and you you have to you know you have to wait and see if they get selected. You know they've got Steve O'Keefe who's going to probably play uh, the opening round, but they're not going to really go in with three spinners, are they? So you don't know if L- Lloyd uh, Pope or or um, Ben Benetti are going to get a run. You know. Yeah, and Dan Hughes, you know, based on poor form last year, you'd have to be taken a speculative on whether he, he bounces back this year. So they've got some guns. Um, I think they have some maybe trappish looking players as well, um, you know, and some Smokies, you know, in Vince, you know. Um, yeah, probably Vince, you know, and, and uh, Dorcious. I think he's really under uh, under played in teams i think dorcious for how well he did last year nearly 60 average you know so i'll tell you what then he's burned me that bad last year i knew he was at 78 i think he was like one of those guys that couldn't get him out and he just did nothing and and i think i had vince more early on in the season and he produced early and then was pretty quiet but then finished really well i'm i'm just totally off the boat now <laughs> yeah, well, look, yeah, in that opening round, you know, you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have a few to choose from in there. At the moment, from the Sixers, um, I've got Philip, uh, Philippi, and I've got Curran. I've got um, Dwarshus, you know, as well. So mm-hmm. if we add my Majib and my Chris Lynn, you know, I've got five people for the double, double game round, you know, which is probably light. You know, I, I like to get to a minimum six. So I'm going to have to add in one of these speculative, you know, players. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can afford events, you know, so it's going to be someone in the 70 or 80K type, um, you know, price point. Um, so I could end up having to go a Hughes or a Bryant, you know, maybe a Bartlett, yeah. you know, go one of these speculative ones. But um, I think if you get on the guns, I think that you all the all the semi-guns, um, you look at the five that I've got currently now, Lynn, Majib, you know, Dorcious, Philippi, and Curran, you know, they're all borderline or, or, or guns, you know. So yeah. there's there's some good ones to choose from there, and I think it's more about quality over quantity. And, and if you've got five, you know, guns or close to guns and you put one speculative in there, you know, I think that you can get to six, and that's your minimum, I think, for the double game round. In round one. For sure, I think now uh, on the head there with the, the quality of the quantities, it's all well and good to have the double game week on, but, you oh. know, if they're not, not producing scores or not, you know, involved enough, there's no point having them. Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, you get these speculatives, like you go your Jimmy Pearsons, you know, and you go your, um, you know, your Dan Hughes. Maybe, you know, you can get 20 points from them and you're just like, well, what did I have them in the team for? You know, like, you might as well have... You, you, if, if they're not going to be someone who, you know, you think is going to have a b- bounce-back year, like Dan Hughes, if he bats a three, mm-hmm. you know, you, you might be worth a punt, you know, or you might be... If, yeah. if the price is right I on like, Bryant. I like Hughes a bit more because he's close to the top of that order. If you were going to go one in the double game week, I think Hughes at that price would probably... Yeah. Probably the one if, if someone like Luke Pope's not going to get. Yeah, or Ben Manetti. Yeah. I mean, he could be an option. Because, yeah, and he's not going to have a buy in round two. So, all right. Well, we'll move on to the Adelaide Strikers. Uh, Adelaide Strikers, they're, you know, a relevant team 
with the double game round and they're the solo double game round from round two. Um, their guns, you know, they've got some out-and-out bloody guns, haven't they? Rashid Khan, you know, so he was somebody that I sort of didn't have in my team and then I had in my team and I was planning on bringing him in for round two, but he's an out-and-out gun, average of 63.6 last year. Um, you know, I think you can't do any better or any worse, you know, than having Rashid Khan in your team, you know, to start the year because he's going on the double game round in round two. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't like to draw comparisons to like Tommy Turbo, but if there's any like that's probably most likely to be at all, it would be nearly someone like Rashid, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, maybe. It's just amazing how often he takes wickets. Uh, yeah, he does it. Um, gets in at uh, what six or seven even sometimes. sometimes yeah, gets the hit and throws the bat. That's how it goes. So. Um, yeah, it's disappointing Darren Sang pretty much played half the season last season. He was having a great year last year as well. Mm. And um, the only thing that spins me out is like, I think he's just early 20s or whatever, but um, just the age of some of these guys, even New Ramas, they're very young. Yeah. Adolf. Yeah. Um, these guys from like the Afghanistan sort of area. But um, yeah, Rashid Khan, oh, got to be nearly one of the first picks. Yeah. Um, if you have a few, I reckon. Yeah, well, he's definitely a gun for them. Look, I think they've probably got a couple of other guns. One of them is Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper batsman, but I think he might be well and truly off into the Australia A, um, you know, team. And I think that their other gun, Travis Head, you know, is, you know, Travis Head played a limited role for them last year, obviously with, you know, higher honours, but, and he's going to be in the same boat this year. I've got him picked in my Ashes team. Um... You know, so two of their three guns I think they've got there are going to be um, out, I think, as a guess. Yeah, which, which uh, makes their list very interesting because then all of a sudden you might, that might be one of the better teams for some of these, these cheaper players. Absolutely. Like yep. Opportunity. Can you talk to me, Ados, about Rinshaw? Is he going to be anywhere near that test side? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he won't be near the test side. Renshaw will be there. He'll be there for for round you know for, for round one, and he'll be there in in round two. I think there's two main contenders to take up Alex Carey's opening spot. You, you know you think that Jake Weatherall will open, and it'll either be the wicketkeeper, um, old mate, um, what's his name, Harry Nielsen. He'll he'll come in and he'll get the wicketkeeping obviously because Carey's out and he might open. You know if he does, he's an absolute stunner. For your backup keeper, I think. Um, so he he's, he goes probably into a smoky. I think he's a good cheapy, you know. Um, if he gets that opening spot, you know, and he might bat pretty high. He might bat f- open or, or three or four, you know. So at six, 76K, I think he's an option. And uh, Renshaw, you know, he's he, there's rumors you know, or, or chat that he might open as well. So... You know, the thing that we have to take into consideration is you got Rashid Khan in there and now they've brought in um, Fawad Ahmed, you know. So there's two spinners in the team, two top-line spinners. You wouldn't probably expect to see Renshaw bowl, you know. So that's one thing that teams have to take into consideration. But if he opens or bats at first drop, um, you know, he's worth, a, he's worth a little tickle on, isn't he? You know, Renshaw or Nielsen, who, but I think one of them is primed for an opener, you know, or first drop spot to take head or um, Alex Carey's spot. So they're a, they're a big firm watch, I think. 
No, I know. I actually didn't realize how it. Um, I'm gonna join the squad as well. That's a really good point there. Yeah, and he's. I think, I think the only other thing with Renshaw is Ados. You always like to have, you know, a couple of your bench guys at least, you know, sort of one of each half or either to be the, the, the batter bowler. Yeah. Morality is there. I think Renshaw is just one of those guys. He's, he's um he has sort of produced at times in the past. Um, and it's nice that he has that Girardi and he's quite cheap. So if he can be doing something of relevance, it would be nice because um, it could be a nice little you know, 6 7 k guy to start the year with. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got him in there as a possible option if he, you know, because there's going to be an improved role. Last year, he only averaged 21, you know, which is shit. He was shit. But, I mean, if he gets to open, you know, you've got a 60K player, you know, that you can put in your opening position, you know, and even if he goes in a first drop, I think 67,000 is good value, you know, for, um, you know, for someone who's going to bat at three. I try to keep, if I can, my entire, I'd never try to pick a player outside of batting at three, you know, and at very worst, I'll go four, and I very rarely go a batter five, you know. The only exception to that is if they're a genuine all-rounder like Sam's, you know, and um, I, I just, for me, if, if say, they open with Nielsen, or if they open with Renshaw and Nielsen bats at five, then he, I don't, don't want him, you know, and if... You know, if they open with Nielsen and, and Renshaw goes down to five, I don't, I don't like that either, you know. So it, it is a watch and wait um, to see, you know, what happens. You've got some players who are probably Smokies at best. You know, Dan Worrell, um, average, oh, well, yeah, average 51 last year, so he's pretty good. Peter Siddle did all right, just a tick under 50. Wes Agar was 45. Um, look, none of that sort of excites me a great deal, you know, if I'm being honest, to pick for someone that I carry into a double game round. I think, um, you know, I'll be definitely targeting Rashid Khan. Um, I'll probably, uh, I mean, from back from Australia, eh, Judy's if, uh, are they back for round two? I don't know whether, when it all finishes up, you know, but the only ones I would be targeting are their premiums. Rashid Khan, Alex Carey, um, Travis Head, but I don't think you're going to see Travis Head at all because he's going to be in the ashes, you know. So, um, yeah, that's it, you know. I don't know if I'd take a tickler on uh, forward Ahmed. He's just over 100K. You'd expect that he's probably going to bowl four. You know, he might even bowl well in tandem with Rashid Khan, you know. But um, I just don't know, you know. He's 100K for a reason. He wasn't really uh, outstanding, you know, last year, but... um, I'd put him as a real loose speculative one. And Renshaw, you know, or Nielsen, whoever gets the better role, um, you know, for the strikers. I'm a big fan of um, Weatherall as well. I, I like him. And I know he's obviously only got the batting, um, but he is quite a live wire with the bat. Yeah. He's a big variable. But, so play the double game week in round two, was it? Yeah, 133k, average 42 last year. I think he started pretty slow, um, but sort of warmed up. I think they moved him around in the order a bit because he was a bit out of form, but then he sort of came back up the top, you know, once Trav Head came back in and stuff, and he seemed to have a better second half of the tournament. But, you know, I don't don't mind him as well. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, he's a bit like Bryant, probably a little safer than Bryant at the top, but it's sort of like they either come off or they completely fail, you know, so... Um, 
Yeah. So I think if if yeah, based on team availabilities, I'd probably go in with Rashid Khan. I'd pick maybe one of those bowlers, you know, one of the semi-gun bowlers, and you know, maybe a Renshaw slash, you know, yeah. Harry Nielsen, you know. So um, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, how they line up. You know, I think that's all where where it comes down to because there's definitely going to be a good cheapy or maybe two in there because there's batting positions, you know, up for grabs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, look, thanks for going through those teams. I think that, um, you know, I, I'd like to reiterate that if, you, if you're coming in for um, double game rounds, I think the pl- way to play it is to go for quality. So if you can plug in the qualities and you've got to play one speculative, you know, but these teams that get obsessed with going with six, seven, you know, and they've got three or four guns and then three or four speculative, you know, 50, 60K players who may or may not come off. Um, I think that they probably wasted their time bringing all of those in, you know. So I think um, for me, it's it's about quantity over quantity. But if you I always look for, you know, two team one, like round one, I think six is a good number. And I think you just aim for four, you know, in all the others when it's just a single team. So... You know, um, I think you can probably get yourself to four in that Adelaide Strikers team, um, and you know I'd be recommending that you find six in the in the first round as a minimum. And I think that between the sixes and the Heat, you can find six quite comfortably. You know, quality ones. No, you're right, and I think obviously it's another important thing to remember that you know use the trades that are there. You know, you're not going to get anything by banking other trades. You use three every week. I think it is, so. Yeah. You know, you, you can pick three heat players if you want and, and trade them out the next week. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you do. And I mean, like something like, um, you know, if you go in with, say, you know, if I'm going with Majib and, and Lynn, you know, we'll say Bartlett, you know, for round one, you know, it wouldn't hurt for me to save one of them, you know, like a Lynn possibly or a Majib, whoever goes better in round one, because they'll go um, into a double game round in round six, you know, so holding one yeah, of them exactly. is a good idea. So yeah, knowing your schedule is important, you know, but I think if you had to go into round one, you know, I would probably err people on the side of don't go more than three, you know, heat players because, um, you know, it'll be a hard round two, you know, if you've got leftovers, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and obviously once those, um, those test sides, are, again, I don't know when all this happens, it's something that's still there like depth and someone that doesn't follow cricket that closely to know exactly what's happening. But it's also really important to understand when, you know, some of those rec players are going to be missing, but equally mm. going to return and, and trying to, you know, allow yourself to get them in, whether it's going to be, you know, I don't know, guys like Stoinis and Maxwell. And, yeah, Stoinis and Maxwell know, look Jerry. like... Yeah, Stoinis and Maxwell will be back. You know, I th- think the main things are going to be um, there are some English imports that are affected by, you know, the tour matches and, you know, you any any players that are going to be in the Australia A or the Ashes, you know. So, unfortunately, that does affect, 
you know, for, for BBL purposes, you know, those initial teams, you know, because they've got some players that have, you know, going to come out, you know, for that uh, higher honours. And, and it's obviously because they're rep teams, it's their quality players, you know. So I think there's some, you know, good options left, but not as many. You know, I think everyone would be picking, um, you know, your Steckities and your Wildermuths, and he was great last year. Um, you know, Swepson, you know, he was a good smoky with good scores. I think that you'd find teams would be a lot, there'd be a lot of variations between teams if they were all available. So there's every chance that we'll all look a little similar, you know, with the premiums that we take into round one and two um, because of those, you know, duties. But you'd have to get to know and we'll get all those, the, we'll get all the information closer to, you know, kick off, you know, for the BBL so that you can make your teams, you know, accordingly. 100%. Sounds good, mate. Good yeah. Bye. Well, thanks for coming on and having a chat. Um, you know, hopefully that gives you something to think about and you can go and have a tinker with your teams. Um, and it was great having you on the show. You know, I'll, um, it, it'll be fun head, versing you in the old head-to-head um, <laughs> in the Adrianosaurus Cup. You know, it's a cashy, so, you know, hopefully you win the money. You know, I think there's some competitive people. I've got Sabs and... Um, Mikey and Jake are coming in from the Supercoach experience, which is good, um, and should be a good old, good old comp, good old head-to-head comp. No, mate, I, I definitely will, especially in light of uh, some of the news you were just telling me about the uh, Australian teams and the, the double game week. I'll go around and have a read with my team, and yeah, definitely need to miss it with the boys in the league. Um, yeah, I think the beauty of it is when any of these guys are just um you know, they always compete, but they don't like stop checking their team. That sort of thing, you know, you have to compensate us and beat some people fall off the, the bandwagon. Um, <laughs> yeah. None of these guys do that. They're all, you know, keen, they get involved, and, and, you know, even if they probably don't have much of you, they'll have a good stab at it. So it should be a good competitive league. Yeah, well, I mean, I always recommend that to people, you know, who talk to me. And they're like, "Oh, how do I get better at playing soup coach?" And I'm like, "Play against good players, you know, go in really good head-to-head leagues, and you know, if you've got these cashy leagues, go in it because there's these serious players that play every week, and they're right on top of it. And I think it's the way you get better at it, you know, by playing people who are good at it. <laughs> so don't get better by beating people that you, you know, you push your or make you try harder, or you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and how many times have you been in a head-to-head with someone and you look at their team and you're like, wow, their team's way better than mine, you know? So (laughs) there are some good players out there and it's always good to sort of, you know, get in there and verse them. But anyway, thanks for coming on and, um, you know, uh, how long are we out? About a month, you know, or whatever from the start of the Big Bash. So it's a bit exciting. We got that little... Last year, because we are footy fans, you know, we had the state of origin at the end of the season, which was good fun, but... Now we've had the big gap, you know. So <laughs> getting yeah. into the B, the big the BBL stuff, nice and early. Love it, mate. Looking forward to it. Great work for all the content you put out. All right. Keep up the good work, and yeah. Thanks for coming on, Brent. I'll sing you out. Cheers, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs> The little, my little outro. Thanks for coming. All right, that's it. Beautiful.